welcome to Reinventing Home, a new podcast and online magazine about the relationship between home and the well-lived life. I'm your host, Valerie Andrews, and today we're going to talk about home as an interactive hive. My guest is Bronwyn Salambani, a communications coach for some of the top people in Silicon Valley. Bronwyn works from home, has three lively children and a type A husband, and still finds time to read and blog about her favorite novels. She also has a podcast called 20 Minutes with Bronwyn, covering everything from how to write the perfect TED Talk to lifestyle and meditation tips. But don't worry, we're not going to talk about being perfect and being superhuman today. This discussion is going to get very down to earth as we explore the challenges of having a family, a marriage, a commercial enterprise, and an inner life, all in the same space. Welcome, Bronwyn. I'm very glad you're here with us today. Uh, One of the things I want to start off with is our tendency to neglect the home. In the last 10 years, Americans have started spending more time in the office and less time at home than ever before. And that means we're at work more than we're in our own kitchens, our own bedrooms, and our own living rooms. So I'm wondering if having some time at home and being able to be with your family was really important to you when you first started your business. There is a ton of truth to that. We don't get a lot of time in these skin suits. None of us knows how much time we've got in these bodies on this, you know, this go around the planet. So for me, my career was always like, how do I make sure that I am bringing the best version of me to this work and that I'm creating the best possible product from my work. In an office where it's always on, always crazy, always a fire drill, it wasn't bringing out the best work for me. Initially, that was public relations, and then it morphed into the work I do now, which is communication coaching and giving keynotes and things like that. Home became this sort of hybrid environment that could be at once sanctuary and the backdrop for the creative work I wanted to put out in the world. So you really do see home as an interactive hive. I think that is dead on. We just remodeled our house a couple years ago, and when we were decorating it, I had some help from someone, and I asked her, I was like, is it weird that I want all the colors in my house kind of muted and and mellow and quiet? Because, you know, there's so much energy bouncing through the house, and I just don't want, like, purple walls and blue couches and crazy stuff. As I move through my house, my kitchen is such a hive of activity. My office is a quiet sanctuary. You know, the living room can be both. You know, I love that Marie Kondo vibe where she goes in and she like connects with the space. I think houses want to be appreciated that way. I think they want to rise up to meet us and, and meet various needs, you know, room to room. Well, you've got a lot of things going on in one space, and I think one of the mm-hmm. challenges of the interactive hive approach is, so how do you actually organize your space to make it work for you? My office is pretty sacred. The kids can come in and out, but they're not allowed to leave too much of a footprint in here. I really try and focus all of the intense work before they get home from school every day. So by the time they come home, I know that my like quiet, creative sanctuary vibe or I'm recording an episode on my own podcast vibe, that's gone as of 3.15. And at that point, the house sort of comes to life in a different way. So generally, I just try and make sure that the kitchen is straightened and clean before I go to bed. The rest of the house could look like a bomb went off, but there's something about having a clean, clutter-free kitchen that makes me be like, 
okay, I can do this. As long as my kitchen's clean, I'm good. Now, does your husband work at home, or does he go to an office and put his time and energy there? He goes out to an office, and he works crazy long hours. He's in commercial real estate, and our system is that he can work as many hours as he wants, Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. And then Thursday through Sunday, it's got to have some balance for the family. That was something we sort of worked out early in our marriage, because if I didn't have those boundaries, I think he would work around the clock. So tell me a little bit about the flow of your day once the kids come home. Oh, God, it's complete madness and chaos, and in a good way. It's the first part of my day up until three is very disciplined, I would say. Things happen at roughly the same time every day, but once 3.15 hits, sometimes I just practice playing guitar because I know they're going to interrupt me a hundred times, and that way it doesn't bother me. Between four and six, I'm driving people places, and then from six on, it's dinner and you know, feeding the tribe and then cleaning up. From 3.15 till I, my head hits the pillow, which is usually around 9.30 because I'm so exhausted by then, I just go with the flow. It's like you jump in the water and point your toes downstream and, <laughs> and hope for the best. When do you get the you time? When do you get the reflection time? And when do you get the really private Bronwyn time? You know, there's more pockets of time in the day than we realize. I really believe this. If anybody follows me knows how much I love Instagram. But I really try and be disciplined about it because I have interests in this life while I'm here on planet Earth. And those interests really don't have anything to do with social media. And if we're not careful, technology will eat up our available disposable time so that we never get a chance to access what those interests are. I love reading literature. I love reading nonfiction. And so when I have 15 minutes, let's say, between activities, you know, I read an article in Outside Magazine about, you know, there's a great article this month about the trans community and how hard it is to be transgender in the mountain climbing community. Who knew, right? But that's like a 10-minute of time that I can sneak in in line at the bank or while I'm waiting to pick up somebody or while I'm doing the dishes, I listen to an audio book. I'm like a hummingbird. Like I just nurture the interests that I have when I have time. What you end up finding is that 10 and 15 minute increments are giant pockets of time if you really allow yourself to drop into a state of focus. Like, you know, I pick up my guitar maybe 10 minutes a day and I know how to play Space Oddity by David Bowie now, thanks to that. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe there are some similarities in the flow of working with CEOs and Mm -hmm. getting them to do their best TED Talks and Mm -hmm. managing kids. I'm like an archaeologist dusting off the sand from something precious. My intuition is very strong when it comes to seeing people's potential and seeing the dazzling human that needs to come out and be visible on stage. And that is very much the case with my kids, too. I, you know, I never feel any sense of ownership or control over them. I mostly see myself as trying to just remove any obstacles or anything holding them back from full self-expression and full exploration of this life that they've been given. With my clients, like I just want to help remove the debris that's holding them back from shining as brightly as they can. And I feel the same way about my kids. My philosophy is very much that we are all just walking each other home. You're also a kind of Marie Kondo because you are telling people to remove whatever stands in the way of their I true love gift. That. Yes. So I, I really I like this. Great. I think you are doing a form of 
decluttering and working with your clients and their creativity. And the way you described renovating your home was to mm. create an atmosphere where the energy that you bring to the room is what counts. So the yes. Room, oh, the beautifully room, said. The room isn't overwhelming you. You have a place where you can expand. Yeah, that's right. It's so funny. My mom, whenever she comes to visit me, she brings me a photograph something from our family because she's so appalled that I don't have that many photos hanging in my house because I don't need all these eyeballs looking at me. You know what I mean? And some of these eyeballs that, you know, she wants me to hang up there are people that have, you know, since passed. And I'm like, oh, God, the last thing I want to be thinking about is how much I miss those people or am I living up to their legacy? Like, I just don't need that. What I need is quiet, calm, reflection, sanctuary. <laughs> You won't see a lot of photos in my house for that exact reason. I want my energy, my kids' energy, my husband's energy to be what imprints in that room. When I teach writing, I ask everybody, who's on your creative committee? And I say, you know, pick four brilliant novelists, put their photographs up and think about their work practices and how they go about their craft and keep that with you as a kind of vision board. I have a wall, inspiration wall in my office, and I've got my grandfather and my dad and Gloria Steinem and Oprah and Patti Smith and (laughs) Pete Townsend and Freddie Mercury. Like, I've got those guys all at my back as we speak, and I agree with you. I think it does call in energy. I mean, I think my favorite space for dreaming, planning, being creative, thinking about, you know, thinking about my life from higher altitude is definitely in my office. I have a big sort of chair and a half chase kind of lounge thing. And I just curl up there with my big golden retriever. And that is my spot. And I feel like I just sort of radiate from that space. <laughs> like well, a queen, you know? It's interesting. You refer to your office as your sanctuary. So mm. I am getting that it does double duty. That it's yeah. both a place where you do a lot of good, solid communication with people and help Mm -hmm. them to articulate what their dreams and goals are, but it's also your dream and goal space. Yes, that's right. And that energy to me isn't all that different. I feel very in flow in when I'm working with clients or recording a podcast episode or whatever, or coming up with a topic for a keynote. And I also feel that way when I'm just thinking big picture about my life and being creative. It's like my best self. Whereas if I like sit down to pay my bills, that is like my least favorite thing to do. And I, you know, will do that at the dining room table because it just doesn't even feel like it belongs in my office because my office is like rainbows, unicorns, happy place. And bill paying, I equate with like drudgeries. Can I ask you, what kind of support do you have? Do you have someone who helps you clean? Somebody asked me this, you know, why are you always in such a good mood? I'm like, because I have a lot of help. I have a lot of support. My mom lives close by. My in-laws live close by. I have a nanny that's been with us since my daughter was four months old. And she is an enormous help. Earlier in our marriage, having that support was a huge stretch financially for us. But I think we both knew that it would free both of us up to be equal partners if it weren't for our nanny helping us, we would have fallen into more traditional gender norms and the expectations would have been on me to maintain everything while working. I'm curious, is there anything you really enjoy doing and it seems almost meditative? Cooking. Cooking and cleaning my kitchen. Isn't that strange? I find it so meditative. It's very creative. And then when I clean, I listen to an audiobook. So it's like a double bonus. I watch almost no TV. But when I 
have to do a bunch of laundry, I will watch a show and binge, you know, and get as much laundry done as I can. That's kind of fun. You know, I'm thinking about the fact that you have also had to care for your parents at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how that period of caretaking affected the rhythm of your work and the rhythm of your household, because suddenly your parents were much more in need of your help and yeah. much more a part of your extended daily life. It was the hardest seven years of my entire life. As Miley Cyrus would say, he came in like a wrecking ball. And my, yeah, this was my dad. And the thing about my dad is he was a delight. He was just full of life and so funny and so outgoing and hilarious. But, you know, he had a dark side. And there's only one person that he really allowed the full spectrum of himself to be seen by, and that was me, for better or worse. And he landed literally in my office. He lived in my office for a few months and required tremendous care. I had worked very hard to create a family, a work life stability and flow that was really working for me that brought me a lot of joy. And, uh, you know, he passed away a year ago and it was such a brutal mix of emotions because on one hand, I was devastated when he died. On the other hand, I was relieved. I was powerfully and profoundly relieved. One of my worst fears was having one of my parents move in and be in poor health and require a ton of help. And my worst fear came to pass and it didn't deep six my marriage and my kids are all still healthy and normal. My job has always brought me so much joy that my job was a welcomed distraction and like an oasis for me. I worked upstairs in my bedroom a little bit, which actually turned out to be a terrible idea. Everybody knows that. Of course, I didn't. But then I just, you know, I found cafes that I loved. I went to the library. I took it one day at a time and I survived it one day at a time. I have a metaphor that works for me in times of stress, and I want to try it on you. It's called the Goldilocks approach. It's like finding the bed, the chair, and the bowl of porridge that's just the right size. You You don't want to overreach so you can't do a good job, and you don't want to underreach so you fall short of what your dream is. That's right. I love it. I constantly am asking myself, am I giving myself enough time at home? Am I giving Mm. myself enough time in the Goldilocks bed? Am I giving myself enough time for a leisurely meal for the bowl of porridge? Am I sitting in the chair in the office and just having my blissful creative time enough? Love it. And how do all these perfect moments that are neither too much nor too little work together? Oh, that is gorgeous. Perfect moments. I love that. Oh, I love that. I think that is beautiful. I love that it sort of forces you to focus on the basics, which is rest, nourishment, stillness, you know, just the really basic stuff that can go right out the window. The other important thing to remember is this. We all have invisible helpers. In every fairy tale, you are helped by nature, you are helped Mm -hmm. by invisible spirits, you are helped by magical beings. So there are all these resources that we don't know we have. That's it. God, it's so true. It is so true. How do you remind yourself of those invisible forces when you're like overwhelmed and you can't even remember where the chair is or the porridge is, you're just in it? Well, how do you remember, how do you remind yourself of that? Oh, I, I clean. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is I, so unexpected. I'm one of those feminists who didn't talk about her domestic habits for many, many years because it was not considered politically correct. Oh, how funny. But I used to go to work at Time, Inc., and we would close magazines very, very late in those days. We would close them sometimes 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And when you get yeah. home at that hour, there is no one you can call. There's no best right. friend you can pour your heart out to and say, I just did this today. You are at home at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're full of energy. And the only thing I could figure out to calm down was to wash the kitchen floor. There's something about the motion with the mop or, or the sense of concentrating on one tile at a time that is the most zen meditation in the world for me. It's kind of like me in my kitchen. I totally get that. So much healthier than like having two martinis. It's funny. I had a client once. I asked her what her coping mechanisms were for stressful situations. She's like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I clean my purse when I'm stressed and it immediately makes me feel more grounded. So do you have a way to monitor yourself to make sure that all aspects of your life are in balance? Do you do a a Bronwyn check-in? How does it work for you? I have a very low tolerance for feeling bad. If I don't feel like happy, if I'm, if I'm in a bad mood, let's say, I really pay attention to that. I stop what I'm doing and I really look at it. What's going on here? I love that Thich Nhat Hanh practice where you put your hand over your heart and you say, Beloved, what do you need? You know, sometimes oh, I just need a glass beautiful. of water. You know, that's sometimes beautiful. I need to be left the hell alone or sometimes I'm, you know, processing something that happened a week ago. But for some reason, it just snuck up on me now. But I think we all have to develop a really strong rapport with our emotions. And I think that when emotions start to veer off into the negative emotions, I really try and honor them and pay attention to them and work with them. You describe a beautiful practice of internal housekeeping. I have a similar dialogue with my home that you have with yourself. I look around my rooms, and I have that sense of peace. I have that sense of being in a place that I'm supposed to be. I have that sense of joy. There's something so wonderful about letting a place be your magical container. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh, my God, I'm looking at my plants in my office, and they're looking at me like, woman, will you ask us what we need because we're thirsty? (laughs) I feel like my house is going to be so much happier with me after this conversation. Well, I love talking to you about all of this, and I think the way you organize your home and the way you've organized your life is a very conscious, loving practice, and it's an aspect of what I call low housekeeping. Low housekeeping. Wait, say more about that. I love that. What is that? It's not just about, you know, all the chores we have to do, but how we actually cultivate our being at home and how home is a source of culture, of intimacy and relationship. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and for being our it's my pleasure. first one. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. I've loved this conversation. and You've given me so much to think about. And you shared so much with our audience about how you've organized your life and made yourself available to family and to creativity and to clients all in the same space. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. 